Welcome to another episode of the 20-Minute Bible Study, a teaching podcast from Faith on Hill Church in Milwaukee, Oregon. My name is Adam, and while I put 20 minutes on the timer, why don't you open your Bibles to the book of Exodus chapter 29. We'll be starting in verse 31. Well, we're back after a bit of a hiatus. Looking forward to recording uh, several episodes to make sure we're getting running uh, at a good clip. The last time we recorded, we talked about the consecration of the priests. You may know, you may remember, that in the system that God set up for his people, Israel, that there were priests. There was Aaron, the high priest, and his sons who would succeed him. And the entire tribe of Levi was to be the tribe of priests. Israel was divided into 12 tribes after the sons of the descendants of the sons of Jacob, Judah and Simeon and Benjamin and uh, Dan and, and the half tribes of uh, Ephraim and Manasseh and so forth. The tribe of Levi did not get any land. They didn't get any um, position. They got certain cities all over the nation and they were to be the priests before God. They were to serve the people. They were to be um, God's servants before him. And so last time we were together, we were speaking of the consecrating of the priests. And today we're going to speak a bit about the ordination of the priest. Now, it's interesting to me that consecration happens before ordination. Consecration is the action of declaring or making something sacred or holy. Now, humans have this tendency to think that someone is holy because they went through a process. Uh, They bathed in a certain kind of water. They said a certain ritual. They endured a certain test. And now they are consecrated or holy. We know that God is what consecrates a person. It's the work of Jesus that makes us holy. At the same time, I do believe that things can be set apart specifically for a holy use. That um, the resources of the church should be consecrated and and holy. Um, There there should be things that we say, you know what, we're we're not okay with that. that the, the church building, while we love when it gets used by our community, and we try to let, let it be used. Uh, you know, we've, we've, uh, we have the school that, that uses our building. Uh, we've had blood drives. We've had Special Olympics. We've had Al-Anon. Um, I'm really curious, post-COVID, because a lot of that had to get shut down with COVID, I'm really curious as we're coming out of the pandemic, hey, what, what's the Lord going to use our building for? And at the same time, there are things that we we wouldn't allow, things that would go against the purpose that God has given us this building to use. And our lives are to be consecrated, set apart. It's not just the priests. We are all, as Christians, the servants of Jesus. 
So we should consider, is the purpose of my life just to seek my own good, my own benefit, to seek after my own enrichment? Or how and in what way has Jesus set me apart for his sacred use? It's interesting to me that consecration comes before ordination. Verse 31 says, Take the ram for ordination and cook the meat in a sacred place at the entrance of the tent of meeting. Remember, they didn't have the temple back then. They had the tabernacle or the tent of meeting. And you can just Google tabernacle and you'll Google image. You'll find what this looked like. But there was sort of a tented courtyard. And then within the courtyard, there was another tent uh, that was the holy place that the ark was to be where the sacrifices were. And so at the entrance of that tent, that's where you were to cook the meat of ordination. Verse 33 they, that's the priest, Aaron and his sons, uh, they are to eat these offerings by which the atonement was made for their ordination and consecration, but no one else may eat them because they are sacred. And if any of the meat of the ordination, ram, or any of the bread is left over till morning, burn it up. It must not be eaten because it is sacred. There was nothing special about the meat. There was nothing special about the bread. That What mattered was the intention what God was doing was saying, we are, we are going to publicly show the calling I have placed on you. We're going to publicly show the calling I have placed on you. And you aren't to treat that as if it's an unimportant thing, as if it's not a serious thing. The idea of consecration before calling. There's a lot of people who want to do stuff. And there's a lot of people who don't want to do the work. You know, the Olympics are happening at the time of this recording. And um, we've been watching the, the Olympics and this, you know, I joke, it's the one, you know, every four years, America cares about um, obscure sports. And uh, so we're, we're watching the Olympics and, and everybody sees the, the race, the event, the match, but they don't see the day after day after day of training and diet and all of the physical therapy and the uh, strength building and everything that these athletes do to prepare themselves for the moment. You want to be used by God? Then do the work when no one else sees. You want to be used by God? Then let the consecration of God be part of your life. How do I do that? It's very simple. It's so simple that... A lot of people will hear me say this and they will write it off. The basic disciplines of our faith, prayer, Bible reading, community, these basic disciplines, worship, these things that Christians have done since the beginning to be alone with God, to pray, to cry out to him, to hear his voice, to read his word to us and, and study it like the Psalms say, your word I have hidden in my heart so that I might not sin against you. To be actively involved in community so that it's not just me on my own saying, this is what I think God's saying to me, but I am hearing God speak through his collective people to be actively involved in worship. And it's not just singing, and it's not just singing together once on Sundays, but to have a life that is full of worship of the Lord, whether it's worshiping him through my strength or my resources or my prayers, or yes, my songs. You know, there is a place I think for us to individually worship the Lord through music. If you're, even if you're just listening to something on your, uh, on your, um, on your iPad or whatever as you're driving somewhere. 
The consecration happened before the ordination, but then the ordination happened. Now, what happens too is people try to take the, the priests and then they try to take all this stuff and modernize it to the pastors in the churches. Certainly, there may be some carryover. There may be some principle that we would take, but I am not a priest. I'm not a priest. The priest was to go before the people and go on their behalf before God. Jesus is our high priest. Jesus is the way that we bring ourselves before God. No human could do the job. And the priests, if you read through the Hebrew scriptures and the history of the priests, they more often than not did not do the job. There were some good priests, but more often than not, they did not do the job. Jesus is our priest. Jesus goes before God the Father and intercedes on our behalf. I'm not a priest. I don't go before God for you. Your grandma can't be your priest. I don't know how many people I've, I've talked to and I've said, what do you think about God? What do you believe about Jesus? And they'll say, well, my grandma prays. I'm like, you know, I know my grandma's very spiritual. And that's why I'm mentioning it because I've just heard it so many times over the last 20 years of pastoring. Your grandmother, your parents, your spouse, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your kids, they can't go to God for you. They can, they can pray for you. They can ask God to work in your life. There's a lot that they can do, sure. But they can't go to God for you. Only you and I can go to God and, 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 and say, Jesus, here I am. Because Jesus is our priest. No other person, no pastor, no family member. We only connect to God on our own through Jesus. Now, we do ordain pastors. And what that means means different things to different people in different groups. And I'll just say this. The word ordination, the word ordination just means to make somebody a priest or minister. Uh, it also can mean to decree something officially, but we don't use that very often because we don't have ordination as part of our legal or governing processes uh, the way you might in a monarchy or a, a dictatorship. Um what ordination is, is just a way for the church to recognize the calling that God has already done, the work that God has already done, the consecration that has already happened in a person's life. And so there are people who say, well, I'm going to, I want to be a pastor. I'm going to be ordained. So I'll go to school and I'll do these things. And they have no concentrate consecration. They have no calling. And, and, and so then they come to the church and they say, ordain me. I went to seminary. And sadly, some churches and some denominations will do just that. You did all of the hoops and all of the steps that we've laid out. And there may not be evidence in your life of calling. There may not be evidence of your life of consecration, but we'll just do it anyway because you've fulfilled all those steps. I tell you, I'm looking as a pastor, I'm looking for people who have calling and consecration. Piece of paper that somebody says, oh, I'm ordained now, doesn't mean anything. Doesn't mean anything. And I think that's something that for those of us, you know, our church is part of a denomination. We have an ordination process. We have a board of ministry that handles these things. If we rely on that instead of seeing the callings and the consecration of God, we are in trouble. So he says they are to eat it in front of the tent of meeting. So it's public. People can see it. It's, it's, there's some transparency happening. And it's not to be something taken lightly. 
Verse 35. Do for Aaron and his sons everything I have commanded you to do, taking seven days to ordain them. So there was a, a process, a seven-day process. Sacrifice a bull each day as a sin offering to make an atonement. Purify the altar by making atonement for it. Anoint it to consecrate it. For seven days, make atonement to the altar and consecrate it. Then the altar will be the most will be most holy, and whatever touches it will be holy. Altars are funny things. Baptists in America, if you say the altar, they just mean the front of the church. We even sing that song, Oh, Come to the Altar. Um, you might have heard of this term, altar calls. It just means come up front and do whatever is happening. Come up front and pray. Come up front and uh, repent of your sins and you know become a Christian. Um, in our tradition of churches, they used to have these kneelers in the front of the church. And so you would come to the front and then you would kneel down at the front of the, of, of the thing and you would kneel on it kind of like you've seen kneelers, you know, like in a Catholic church or something, but you'd kneel there and pray. And that was called the altar. You'd come up to the front. And so for the Baptists, it was to come up and get saved. And for the Pentecostals, maybe it's to come up and get filled with the Holy Spirit. And for the, for our group of churches, it was to come up and pray. But that's not what this is talking about. The altar was an actual uh, place where they would place the sacrifice or the sacrificial animals. And so what God is trying to do is he's trying to impart this idea that this isn't just a thing that you should take flippantly or lightly. Now we're trying to say, okay, well, how does that apply to the church? And like I said earlier, people try to take these priestly ideas, these temple ideas, these tabernacle ideas and say, how does that apply to the church? Do I think that our, our building is holy quote unquote? Do I think that, um, you know, that, that there's some kind of like you walk in and, oh, you're in a sacred place. Not necessarily. It's as holy as we make it. it. It's as holy as we make it. And what I mean by that is this. If we come in seeking Jesus, then Jesus makes something sacred there and something holy. If we come in seeking a social club or a, uh, an encouraging uh, talk or whatever, then, then it's just a common thing. I don't believe that any particular room then becomes more holy than another. Oh, we're in the sanctuary, so be careful what you say. But then over in the fellowship hall, that's just, you know, anything can go there. That's silly. The holiness, the sanctification, the consecration should be inside of our hearts because of who Jesus is and what he's done. Verse 38, this is what you are to offer on the altar regularly each day. Two lambs a year old, offer one in the morning and one at twilight. The first lamb offer a tenth of an ephod of the finest flour mixed with a quarter of a hin of oil from uh, pressed olives and a quarter of a hin of wine as a drink offering. I'm not going to bother translating that for you. It, it, you know, these, a lot of times your Bible will have uh, kind of the, the measurements, but the idea was that there was a certain proportion of flour and a certain proportion of wine and a certain proportion of oil that were to go along with these offerings. My theory is this, God was calling them to give enough oil and enough wine and enough flour that it was significant, but it didn't hurt them. These are the stuff of life, flour, it's how you make your bread to live, oil, part of the, the baking process, it's, it's used for so many different things, for lighting your lamps, um, wine, you know, especially in places where, where drinking water is hard to come by, um, these are the things of life. 
And God's asking them to sacrifice enough so it was significant, but not so much that it it hurt them. I, I think that's what God calls people to do. When you think about giving, giving of my time, giving of my resources, giving of my money, giving of my strength. I think that there's this really unhealthy thing that happens in churches where people just are demanded more and more and more and more. What God's calling people to do isn't something insignificant, but he is calling us to do something that's not going to kill us either. You know, the idea of a tithe, you know, to, to take a, not an insignificant portion of, of my income every month and to give it to the church. And that surprises people sometimes that the pastor gives, but you know, I, I need to worship the Lord too and be obedient to the Lord too. So we give and we give our first 10% to the church. And then this is just what I do. You don't have to do this. I'm, it's between you and God, but I'm just telling you what I do. You know, me and Angie, we, we, when we set our budget, the first 10% off the top before anything else goes to the church. And then we look for opportunities to be generous beyond that. You know, supporting a, we support a, a child in Africa. Uh, we do other things to, to look for opportunities to give. So the idea is, though, that God's saying, hey, I want you to be engaged, but not in a way that's going to burn you out. I want you to serve, but not in a way that's going to burn you out. And I think sometimes, truthfully, sometimes people don't know how to just say, I'm doing too much. I need to, I need to step back so that I'm not burnt out. I really appreciate there's people in our church who over the years have said, I need to step back from this thing. And it's not because I don't care or I'm quitting. I'm doing too much. And I can look at what they're doing and say, yeah, I think you're doing too much too. Or in in one case, somebody said, I need to step back. I think God's calling me to something new and I don't know what it is yet. So they stepped back and for like four months, they didn't really do much around the church. And you would say, what are they doing? But then about five months in, it became really obvious what their next thing was. And man, they're just doing great at it, you know? So I think there's this idea that God wants us to be engaged. He wants us to be active. He wants us to have skin in the game, but not in a way that's going to burn us out, not in a way that's going to uh, be detrimental. Verse 41, sacrifice the other lamb at twilight, uh, the other lamb at twilight, with the same grain offering and the drink offering as in the morning, a pleasing aroma of food offering presented to the Lord. For the generations to come, this burnt offering is to be made regularly at the entrance of the tent of meeting before Yahweh. Therefore, I will meet with you and speak to you. There also I will meet with the Israelites and place, and the place will be consecrated by my glory. Again, consecration, being set apart, being made holy, didn't happen just because they were doing these rituals. It happened because God was there, because God made it holy. Verse 44, so I will consecrate the tent of meeting and the altar and will consecrate Aaron and his sons to serve me as priests. Then I will dwell among the Israelites and be their God, and they will know that I am Yahweh, their God, who brought them out of Egypt so that I might dwell among them. I am Yahweh, their God. God's goal is to dwell among his people. God's goal is to dwell among his people. And when we read the book of the Revelation, that is what this is all building towards. That there will come a point where God will say no more. The madness needs to end. The violence needs to end. The rebellion needs to end. The abuse needs to end. The sin needs to end. And Jesus will return and set things right and establish God's kingdom of righteousness. People think we'll just sit on a cloud and, and, I don't know, think about things. No, God's going to establish a kingdom and a place 
and he will dwell among his people. That is the church. And I look forward to that day. I look forward to knowing that we will dwell with God and he will be our God and we will be his people. Well, the time is up. This has been another episode of the 20-Minute Bible Study. New episodes are released on Thursdays. Audio versions are available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Video versions are available on our Facebook. You can find us on social media at Faith on Hill. Our website is faithonhill.com. My name's Adam. I want to thank you again for joining us for another episode of the 20-Minute Bible Study.